Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome once again to Fresh Hop Cinema, your favorite podcast about craft beer and movies. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. What's happening? We are coming to you, uh, per usual, on a Monday afternoon in Chico, California, uh, though I think we should give you one disclaimer. Uh, Johnny, would you please tell the fine folks what's going on? I'm trapped in my closet. Send help. <laughs> uh, more specifically, maybe? We are taking necessary precautions to, you know, not die and stuff. So I'm recording at my house. Max is at the FHC compound, locking it down, keeping it safe. We're all Purelled up. We've got uh, sterilized beers to consume in our separate recording areas. And uh, yeah, we are remotely recording, but together in spirit. Indeed. Yeah. If, um, I'm sure everybody knows what's going on, but um, we're going to stick. <laughs> they, as, they don't. I, think there's, I heard a story about one guy who went on vacation like a week before this happened and, and like couldn't come back because it was out of the country. Oh, geez. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's a bit of a nightmare, I think. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, anyways, all that said, we're going to try to stick to business as usual, despite the fact that it isn't. I can't see Johnny's smiling face across from me. Um, I don't know if we're going to have any technical issues as this episode goes on, but maybe we do. But we're all still here. It's all going to be fine. Do I have pants on? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I was going to ask you that, but then we had to make the uh, the gear swap. So I, I know what you're wearing, but that was going to be my my fun little way to imagine just by asking you, I guess. What, are you still yes. wearing the same thing? No, I changed. Well, what are you wearing? Maybe I'm not wearing pants. I got pajamas on. Nice, dude. Yeah. If you can, drink whiskey and beer with Max in your underwear. It's yeah, the, it's the, the way to go. I don't know why. I didn't, I'm in full denim. Like I'm wearing jeans and a denim button-up. The least in comfortable. That you just in that, yeah. <laughs> in that Canadian tuxedo. It's not good. They're either different colors. That's something. Oh, a little less a obvious. Faux pas. Yeah. Okay. Well, on the uh, note of business as usual, Johnny, where can people find us on the internet? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Fresh Hop Cinema. We're back on Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod. Untapped and Letterboxd, just search Fresh Hop Cinema. Also, patreon.com slash Fresh Hop Cinema. Thank you for our continued support from all you guys that are still rocking it. Um, and yeah, we still appreciate you guys big time. Yep. Uh, also, at freshhopcinema.com. That's probably most important because we're going to get into it in a minute, but that's where you can vote on our sick uh, poll for the beers this month during Beer Madness. We're doing a tournament-style playoff, and we're down to the Final Four, but we'll get into that shortly. But that is where you can find us on the interwebs. Yeah, so yeah, we're going to probably jump into a beer here, but if you are hearing this uh, within the first... If you listen to this on Tuesday when it drops, the Final Four voting is not open yet. It'll open up on Wednesday, April 8th, and it will be open through Monday the 13th, and those polls will then close at noon. And the... The, the final, the championship will be announced, but uh, a lot of good beers, uh, which we'll again talk about in a couple minutes here, uh, will be in that final battle. So uh, it's, it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of exciting, you picked out a beer, you, you picked out both the beers today, and, and there's one that rings very close to my heart and is a reference to one of my favorite movie tri- movie and book trilogies of all time. And the beer is called the Lord of the Rings, colon, Golden Ale from Moylands out of Novato, California. Uh, would you please tell me about why why you found this where did you find it why you grabbed it maybe and what to expect 
Yeah, so I found it at Spike's Bottle Shop. Uh, we had to kind of revamp our beer scenario. Usually uh, we do one really cool beer and we split a can yes. or a bottle. Uh, and as circumstance has not allowed us to do that, I had to go and find some stuff that I could send you home with a couple. And I have a couple here. Uh, so I went and got some singles, found this uh, staring at me. And I said, well, I got to buy this for my guy. Sure. It's completely necessary. Um, so yeah, this is a golden nail clocking in at 5% ABV. Uh, not much in the way of description we could find anywhere online. Uh, let's just use our imagination. Not very hard okay. and think of what a golden nail should be. You want sure. it to be light, refreshing, a little yeasty, probably a little, uh, you know, thick on the mouthfeel, but still super drinkable, crushable, uh, Max, what are you seeing in your glass over there at your house? Well, yeah, so I just I just poured it, but before I even get to the glass, I want to talk about the can art just a little bit because it's I to. mean it's it's clearly uh, they use the exact same font as Lord of the Rings. You can't say Lord of the Rings unless you have permission from I think a thousand people, including God, to steal that mm-hmm. name. Um, but what's confusing me is like the, the label itself. Um, there's a picture of the One Ring, and then there is what I assumed at first glance was Gandalf pointing his finger while holding a sword, but I don't know what that sword is. Like that's not a sword from the movies for sure. Maybe the books and his beard is absurdly long. And I'm wondering if they just went with like a generic wizard because it doesn't really seem like Gandalf to me. Did you ever see the old animated Lord of the Rings? I saw the animated Hobbit. Wasn't that what this is from? Oof, maybe actually because while we're on the the subject of these beers, they also like you told me had a had a red ale, a golem themed red ale. Yeah. Um, so maybe it is, man. I haven't seen that since I was like 15 or something, but that could be what this is. I would imagine so. We'll have to do some research on that. But it does say on the side of the can that it is, in fact, uh, Middle Earth uh, trademark licensed. Yeah. Uh, Middle Earth and Lord of the Rings are trademarks of the Saul Zontz Company doing business as Middle Earth Enterprises and are used under license. So yeah. they got like full on permission. Just nerding out. Yeah, I'm into it, which does bring me back to the glass. It looks, I mean, it looks about what you would expect from a golden ale. Um, what are you drinking yours out of, by the way? Uh, I'm drinking mine out of a Fieldwork brand nice. tulip glass. Yeah, I'm doing the uh, sort of the tall, these are tasters that you brought over, the maybe five ounce, um, they almost look like truncated Trumer Pilsner glasses. Okay. And, you know, there's a, a fair bit of lacing. It looks pretty carbonated, uh, a, a golden color, which feels kind of lame to say and too easy, but that's what I'm seeing. I haven't tasted it yet, nor smelled it. Have you done either of those things? I have, and it tastes uh, at first a little old. You get a little mustiness out of it, almost a little tiny bit of cardboard. Yeah, um, but it's not terrible. I mean, it's it's still pretty drinkable. I would say if the beer is nice and chilled, uh, it would be still pretty refreshing. It doesn't have the most clean, crisp flavor, though. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's it's definitely a bit musty. Um, and I, I won't hold this against you because it is such a cool uh, bit of can art that I would have also grabbed it without looking. But it, the can uh, date on the bottom is October uh, 2019. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. So, yeah, I, I don't know how. Well, I was saying to you when when we very safely swapped uh, give you, I gave you gear, you gave me beer uh, from mm-hmm. very far away. Um, but um, I was saying that I'm not a huge fan of Moylan's in general. I think my first exposure to them is their, I think people really generally like Kilt Lifter. That's a Scott, yeah. Scotch Ale, Scottish Ale, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Scotch. I, yeah, Scotch Ale. I've never been big on that. So, yeah, I like, I just think the, 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 
I don't know. I was hoping this might change my mind about them, uh, but maybe by no fault of their own, it hasn't. Yeah, I think this beer would have been significantly better because it tastes like a really good old golden ale. Yeah, uh, I think yeah, this would sure. have been much more drinkable four or five months ago. Sure. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I did not check the label and just got the coolest can available. Um, so yeah, it's not in the peak of its viability, but overall, uh, I can tell this this beer once was good, uh, and I'd say it's completely adequate to slightly below average at this particular moment. Yeah, that's but right. like yep. Yep. an A plus 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 to the can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is one of those situations where uh, I definitely am going to lean a little bit more favorably because it's such a near and dear thing to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, any particular good tastes that are sticking out to you that you want to touch on? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's somewhat refreshing. I'm not going to say that it's completely like spoiled. It's just old. Yeah. That's really all it is. It's yeah. just, it's past its prime. So it's, it doesn't taste like, like whatever that Pliny was that we had that was super old. <laughs> that, was, um, that was, yeah. Was that some Patreon bonus? Content? That was Patreon bonus. We drank a, a Pliny that I've been had sitting in my window in the sun for like, I think it's like four years old. Brian Massa gave yeah. it to us. It was disgusting, and I'm ashamed to know him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's not nearly on that level. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's it's much more drinkable than that. But still, I wouldn't I would reach for it. I would reach for it simply because of the can. So yeah, um, I think I'm ready to rate this guy. If you are, yeah, uh, after you. Uh, for me, this beer is like a, a five five. It was oh. going to be a four four five. Yeah, but the label kept it up above five. That's uh, really interesting. Mine was going to be a four. The label brought it up to a five. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I was again. We like you said earlier. We couldn't find much about this beer online. There's there's yeah. like a couple scattered blogs that were like, "There's this Moylan's is coming out with a Lord of the Rings series," uh, and it doesn't really seem like it's been followed through like i couldn't find anything besides these two beers which clearly are not new releases so i don't really know what's going on with them yeah i don't either moylan's get get your stuff together there guy. yeah you know i was gonna say like people go out and see if you can find new ones but i like did have you ever seen this out and about before did it just catch your eye today uh i saw it once somewhere i think it was at like a a natural food store or something Mm -hmm. i that might have been a while ago too so it's it's hard to say but yeah, if if I see this again and it's fresh, I'll definitely pick up some more. Yeah, okay, same here. Uh, but I think I think for now, uh, a five and a five point five for you is that's pretty good, pretty good rating. We should also say on Untapped, there's only I think there were just under a hundred reviews of this, and it it averages at like a three point four one. So okay, pretty middle Not of the good. road, anyways. Yeah. Well, once again, that's uh, Lord of the Rings Golden Ale from Moylan's Brewing out of Nevada, California. Uh, let's let's move on. I want to forget about this beer and drink Deal. something else. Delicious. Okay, before we drink more stuff, can you feeling a little bit? You feeling a little mad, Johnny? A little I crazy. Am. <laughs> I am. Okay, I've been going crazy without basketball. Fair. But this tournament's been keeping me alive. I've yeah. been following yeah. it pretty closely. And obviously, we're talking about our beer madness tournament. Yes. Uh, so a couple things off the top before we get into our Elite Eight results. I wanted to say uh, a very big thank you to everybody that voted. Um, I we, we don't we're we're classy here. We don't uh, vote and tell, but we had a pretty good turnout, way more than I expected. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Um, like yeah, it was pretty cool. Also, we we had more more than ever people voting more than once, but it doesn't matter because they don't count. Uh, but they still get registered, and then you see in the final number, it's like these were multiple votes. And then uh, they don't count. So even with all those, uh, let's say, voter fraud, uh, it was still an incredibly high number. Nice. Um, 
so I think we get right into the results. Maybe first we just talk about matchups. Um, Johnny, would you read me just the, the four matchups we had? Yeah. So in the first matchup, we had Sculpin versus Revision, mm-hmm. the Sculpin IPA, obviously. And then the second, we had Torpedo versus Ubadank. And then we had Nelson going up against Booming Rollers. And then we had Pliny the Elder uh, going up against Hexagenia. Right. Okay. So um, why don't you break it down for me? We had, You said Revision and Sculpin was the first. Um, if I remember correctly, Sculpin was our number four seed in the tournament versus Revision at the 21. Uh, it would be an incredible upset if Revision managed to take down Sculpin. This is a corporate battle. Both of these breweries are owned by AB InBev, I believe. Um, I don't think Revision is. Oh, yeah, not Revision. Sorry. Uh, what was I thinking? But Sculpt- uh-huh. or Ballast Point definitely is, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So in some sense, if Revision wins, that's a nice little craft beer victory. Absolutely. How'd it come out? Uh, in fact, they did win. The 21-seed Revision IPA took down the Mighty Sculpin with 69.3% of the vote. Uh, quite a significant margin of victory for yeah. Revision. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's decisive. Yeah, I think part of that's the geographical factor. I mean, they're essentially in our backyard, mm-hmm. uh, but but also Sculpin kind of had its day in the sun, and I think sure. it has been proven to be obsolete in the way of uh, the craft IPA going forward. Those Made are it strong eight. words. Yeah, okay. Well, but I mean, you know, figure Sculpin's still like $17 a six-pack. Is it still? Yeah. Yeah, that does feel a bit steep. I mean, when it came out, that felt steep. Yeah. And I feel like they, I mean, they put out all those variations. They did the pineapple sculpin and the grapefruit and the habanero sculpin and probably a couple others. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I think the original is good, um, but for sure, revision IPA is, I think, miles and miles better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we actually revisited that beer not that long ago. You brought me one. Yeah. Uh, and I had it and it was damn good. Like, yeah. I, don't know if I'd ever had just their plain IPA, and it was really solid. Yeah, man, I've, I've tried to make a really conscious effort to try to get as many of these beers as possible and drink them uh, just so I could be an informed voter and make my decisions accordingly. And I, I think that this one panned out the way that it should have. Totally. I agree. So, Revision was victorious. Max, the next one was the local contest, one yeah. that I thought was it was going to be highly, highly disputed. Uh, why don't you tell us who was in it, what won, all that good stuff. Right. So, we have my personal favorite go-to beer, Torpedo Extra IPA from Sierra Nevada, uh, up against a huge rising, sh- not anymore, but a shining beacon in the craft beer world, which is Ubedank from New Glory. These are both local-ish breweries. Uh, and Torpedo was sitting at the 23 seed. Ubedank was all the way up at 18. Um, so maybe no surprise, uh, sadly for my broken heart, that Ubedank did take it with 57.12% of the vote to Torpedo's uh, 42.88. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, I was pulling for yeah. Ubedank here. I voted for him. Really? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I was I voted for torpedo. What was interesting yeah. is that for like the first for the first day or two of voting, I was watching it the whole time. Um, Ubedank was winning, and then something happened. I think maybe our our survey caught traction around Chico because then torpedo like bull bulldog bulldozed ahead into the lead like sixty to forty, and then slowly but surely over the next three or four days, kind of sunk back into the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those yeah. all those young folks started voting. I know. Uh, you're look, probably looking at the same notes that I am. You'll see in the next matchup, I wrote, uh, this is the, quote, does Hayes matter, unquote, matchup. That'll be our third one. Um, why don't you tell me what's in it real quick? 
Yeah, so this was Nelson from Alpine at the 23 spot, and then Booming Rollers came in uh, at the 18 seed from Modern Times. Yeah, so this one was close. Yeah, it was certainly closer. My, the reason for the, the does the haze matter thing is that I, I tried Nelson on tap uh, at Burgers and Brew maybe two months ago when we were, or not even, maybe a month and a half when we were getting all of this, all these beers lined up. And it was way hazier than I remembered. And yeah. over the weeks, people have also been like, this feels like a hazy beer. Why is this in uh, this competition since we're talking about West Coast IPAs? Um, so I ended up calling the brewery and I was like, hey, like, what's the deal? Did this used to be a, a West Coast IPA that you guys made a New England IPA or what? And they were like, no, like there's, I can't remember all the particular brewing jargon. But he's like, there's nothing uh, technically about it that makes it a hazy IPA. It's still a West Coast IPA, but it is a juicier IPA. Huh. Interesting. It's just a little cloudy. A little cloudy. Yeah. Again, Nelson from Alpine is the 23 seed in the tournament. Booming Rollers, which uh, you and I, Johnny, both really love, was the 18 mm-hmm. seed. Um, so favored to win. But how did it come out? Uh, Booming Rollers came out ahead. They won 58.9% of the vote and knocked off Nelson IPA to move on to the final four. Yeah, I'm not mad about that. I think Booming Rollers is such a such a stand-up beer. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So so our, in our last matchup here, we had what I've dubbed the River Dance. We had uh, Russian River Brewing with Pliny the Elder versus uh, Fall River Brewing with Hexagenia. This yep. is uh, perhaps one of the most contentious battles here because um, even more so than Revision, Fall River is in our backyard. It's just right yes. up the way in Reading. Um, Hexagenia was the nine seed in our tournament. Pliny the Elder uh, standing very confidently in the one seed. Yeah, they have absolutely mollywopped every other beer so far. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause you like Hexagenia, right? Oh yeah. Hexagenia is a great beer. Where do you come out when it, when it's between these two, which one do you, do you like more? Um, you know, that's tough. I think if I just had both of them in my fridge all Mm -hmm. the time, I would probably reach, I honestly, not to sound too middle of the road, but it'd probably Mm -hmm. be about 50, 50. Like which one I'm going to reach for. Well, did you, who'd you vote for? Uh, I voted for Pliny. Okay. What did you, do you remember what kind of tip the scales? Um, for me, just, uh, you know, hexagenia is something that's always been around. Mm. Pliny is something that, uh, throughout my drinking life has been a bit more novel. Like I've, I've gone on trips just to get Pliny and it's got a bit more of a special place in my heart in that regard, because it was one of the first beers that I ever like went on a long road trip to go try on tap and then like bring some back. So, I mean, it's got a bit of nostalgia for me there. Just, you know, basically the Pliny is on a pedestal. Yeah. I think that's true for a lot of people. I, I ended up going Pliny as well. It's just, it's, I mean, they are both so good. I've had them both multiple times in the past couple of weeks. And I think for a lot of people, it just ends up being like, yeah, this like, um, beacon of, of craft beer, um, nostalgia or quality or whatever. Cause it is a great beer. Um, and it's just a hard thing to, to dethrone, you know? It really is. So let's get into the results. Uh, maybe predictably, this was not a close race. Uh, it ended up being 60% or 60.61% to 39.39. And despite its best efforts, unfortunately, Pliny the Elder lost to Hexagenia. Pliny is out of the <laughs> tournament. I don't know what's happening in the world because at this point, my bracket's screwed. Uh, nobody saw this coming. All of the experts were were... You know, Hexagenia is the underdog. There's not a chance in the world. I saw that, and I almost flipped my TV tray over that I'm using as a desk. So similarly to the Torpedo and Ubedank thing, it started with Hexagenia kind of like staying ahead, 
And then in like day three, I think like Pliny the Elder just steamrolled it. And then mm. I woke up and checked on like the fourth or fifth day. And for whatever reason, there was hexagenia right on top. And it's been just like creeping further and further. And I think it's a real testament to the Northern California beer drinker. I think so that and also uh, Fall River got real involved on social media. Yes. And I'm going to shout them out big time because oh, they sure. were they were caping for their beer and they we were all over their Instagram like they were they were pushing this hard and and I think they were a big factor in campaigning for themselves and it shows. Yeah. They got they got this tournament in front of their fans' eyes and they got people to come out and vote and uh the numbers have spoken and Pliny the Elder has fallen. Yes, it has. So Pliny is out. Um, so it's huge with Fall River knocking off off Pliny, man. That's, I know. It's, uh, that's, I can't believe it. <laughs> that's the upset of the century. Yeah. All right. Well, let's leave Beer Madness behind for now, and let's get into some flick picks. What do you think? Yes. We've been quarantined. I've been watching so much stuff. Yeah. Should we throw out the disclaimer, that the one that you're going to talk about? I think I can't remember. I know we didn't talk about it at length. You might have mentioned having watched it, but I definitely wanted to know more about it, so I think it still counts as a flick pick. Okay, yeah, we talked about it at some point. Um, this is an alcohol podcast, so I couldn't find <laughs> if I talked about it on an episode yeah. or what. So if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. No, 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 you uh, do not. You're welcome, people. Double yeah, content. If, you don't apologize if I, for anything. If I'm talking about the same thing again, that means you need to listen twice, yeah, maybe exactly. harder this time. <laughs> All right, what is it? So I am going to be doing Underwater. That's my flick pick this week. It came out real recently, 2020, uh, directed by William Eubank. The synopsis is, seven miles below the ocean surface, something has awakened. After an earthquake destroys their underwater station, six researchers must navigate two miles along the dangerous unknown depths of the ocean floor at the bottom of the Mariana Trench to make it safely in a race against time. Yeah, it's intense, man. It's got uh, Kristen Stewart, uh, Vincent Castle, T.J. Miller is one of the only other familiar faces to me, uh, and a few other people, but no one that I really super recognize. Main character is Kristen Stewart. Sure, and uh, it was a pure bottom of the ocean horror suspense movie. And yeah, it okay. was cr- really creepy. That was the vibe I got. I wasn't sure because we we talked about what to cover this week, and and that was up in the in the discussion for sure and then i kind of looked at i was like i don't know the world's scary enough a little bit right now i don't know if i need this extra (laughs) extra like i don't like the idea of drowning or being trapped in a small area so that seems Mm -hmm. sort of like the worst case scenario oh yeah this movie touches on claustrophobia the dark drowning Mm, being crushed like that's just the pressure of being like that far into the ocean yeah yeah, and then maybe there's some monsters in it. I don't know. I can't say. It feels it's like there has spoiler. to be. There's, there's monsters in it, guys. <laughs> there's lots of monsters. Yeah. And it's a really good popcorn horror movie that you can like laugh out loud at parts. They do um, make it a bit comedic at times mm-hmm. with the introduction of T.J. Miller, who is a stand-up comic. You know him from like the Deadpool movies. He's been around. Uh, pretty funny guy, and uh, they, they definitely have been there for comic relief, uh, and there is a, a bit of humor throughout, so it's not just pure terror, uh, but it is a good popcorn horror movie, like I'd say. It's nothing that's going to change your life, but like it's worth a watch. It was entertaining. There's a few moments where you just like, oh, God, what? Right. Whoa. You know, and it, it was fine. It was entertaining, and it was absolutely good enough for one of the countless days we have sitting around doing nothing. Fair. Yeah, I was going to say, this movie is actually filmed 
uh, almost three years ago, I think early 2017, um, which I don't really know why it wasn't released sooner, but this was also at a time you mentioned TJ Miller and he's, I think pretty infamously somebody that was, uh, uh, almost blacklisted from a lot of stuff. He was, uh, caught up, he got, uh, accused and I, th- I don't know if anything came of it, but definitely accused, um, of sexually assaulting and punching a girl, uh, in the mouth. Um, so like, I remember he got uh, banned from being the spokesperson for Mucinex, which he was for a while. Like nobody <laughs> cast him. Um, and I think he still kind of has this sort of cloud over his head. I don't know if I've seen him in anything that's been filmed since that happened. Yeah, I don't either. I, I know that he did kind of get caught up in something. Like you said, I haven't yeah. heard for sure if anything like came of it. Um, but yeah, here he is. Yeah, here he is. So. Um, okay. Well, do you recommend it? Should I, ch- where'd you watch this by the way? I watched this on the glorious world of the internet. Okay, no maybe super, super legit methods yet? No, I don't know. Okay, let me, I can maybe do some digging, but what, do you think people should check it out? Uh, once it, it's available, um, if you're in the mood for something kind of like tongue-in-cheek with like some cool underwater stuff and um, actually surprisingly decent acting a little bit from Kristen Stewart, I would say, yeah, it's worth a check out. Okay, sweet. Uh, one to ten, how scary was it? six and a half. Oh, that's, I mean, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. There were definitely moments of like, Oh my, what? Ugh. Just cause like, you know, being at the bottom of the ocean and like, I don't know if you've ever like tried to use a flashlight underwater, but it doesn't oh, sure. go very far. And like, no, the, and the water's all murky. There was some very like skin crawly moments. So yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, six, solid six and a half scary. Fair enough. And then just how about out of 10 in general? Uh, out of 10 in general, like it's probably going to be right around like a six, six yeah, and a half. That sounds right. It's above average. It's entertaining, but it's not like a masterpiece. It's not even like the best horror movie I've seen in the last year or right. even close really. So yeah, it's, it's good. It's not great. It's, it's, it's whatever. If you watch it, cool. But uh, I watched it. So now maybe so you don't cool. have to, or you can check it out. Right. And if you do want to check it out, just to clear this up, it is available for, uh, well, for rent, at least you can pre-order it now on Amazon. It uh, comes out next uh, next Tuesday, April fourteenth. Yeah, I got a screening copy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, media, a media screen. I got oh, you, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I want to talk about a movie that you've pressured me into watching for at least a couple months now. Um, so long. Yeah, I mean, it was I think spurred by our coverage of the Gentleman, which is Guy Ritchie's yeah. film that came out a month or two ago. I can't remember now. Time means nothing. Time means nothing. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a 2000 uh, film called Snatch, directed by Guy Ritchie, like I said. Um, and it's his second film ever. It stars, get ready, Jason Statham, Brad Pitt, Stephen Graham, Vinnie Jones, Benicio Del Toro, uh, Dennis Farina, um, Alan Ford, Mike Reed. There's, a, there's, I could, there's probably three times that many people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, some that you know more than others. Um, some that you know just visually, too. For sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a lot of actors in this. You're like, I know your face. Couldn't tell you your name to save my life. Right. Uh, which is fine. Like the guy with the flat top haircut that's been like a tough guy in like a million movies. Yep. And um, like, I don't know that guy's name. Yeah, but I've seen, I know, I, I see him. I see you. I see you, boy. <laughs> um, so uh, if I could do my best to sum this up really quick, I will say just off the bat, it's a very eccentric movie. If you don't know Guy Ritchie, it's very um, sporadic directing. It's very exciting and kinetic and um, the story is, I think there's basically two stories going on. Um, and the film lands somewhere between Uncut Gems and Fight Club, I think is a pretty decent way to say it. 
Um, it's the uncut club. <laughs> there you go. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Brad Pitt plays a kind of almost Irish um, bare knuckle boxer that gets caught up in all this business. He's and a gypsy. He's a gypsy. Yeah, which I don't. I don't know. This movie is a little old at this point. It worked pretty well for me. I actually think that I like the gentleman more, um, mm. but I totally understand the inspiration now so much better. And I appreciate yeah. everything except that other movie that we covered from Guy Ritchie, that King Arthur movie. Or was it the yeah. Robin Hood one? I can't remember. It was King Arthur with Charlie Hunnam. That was, man, was that bad. Yeah. Um, but I, I like this a lot, man. I Gianna started watching it with me and then she had work the next day. She's still working uh, at the uh, emergency vet clinic. So I finished it myself with a couple of glasses of whiskey, if I may say so, uh, which helps. That helps this movie quite a bit. I think it just gets you into the mentality of this weird, grimy underworld. Totally. Yeah. For me, Snatch has always been one of the most enjoyable viewing experiences that I can recall in a film. Like, it's just a fun movie to watch, man. Yeah, for sure. It def- I, I had to put on subtitles pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, like, um, they even, I mean, especially with Brad Pitt's character and all of the people that he lives around, they even yeah. make Jason Statham, I says, or I think says something like, could you understand a word he just said? Which is <laughs> no, but I also couldn't understand almost anything anybody said for a lot of this movie. Yeah. Which is fine. Who cares? It's still fun to watch. Yeah. It's a great movie. And it really did lay the foundation for a style that has become synonymous with Guy Ritchie. And it's it's one of those like it's a movie that's like the background story of a director. Like if you watch Snatch, like you get Guy Ritchie. Yes. Yeah. That's that sounds just about right. I'm I'm gonna so. have to check out more of his stuff. I mean, I think the only things that I've seen are uh I I've seen Sherlock Holmes. I think he did that. Um, mm-hmm. but so yeah, that, uh, snatch the gentleman, uh, King Arthur, um, looking at his, uh, letterboxd credentials here. He, oh, he also did the new Aladdin, the 2019 Aladdin, which seems kind of out of left field. Yeah. But okay. Um, oh, and Didn't he, he do a he got, lock stock and two smoking barrels. Yeah. That was his first movie. That was 1998. And then he did snatch to follow that up. Yep. I'll check that out next. Do it. Okay. Snatch Just, is very so, fun. It was fun to watch. Well, tell me, did you, uh, you want to rate it? Do you want to sure. tell me if people should watch it? I definitely think people should watch it. I think it's, it's a, it was a blind spot for me, um, which was sad. And I'm glad that I got to fill that in a little bit. It, it helped me understand several movies that I've seen now, which was also nice. And I think it's pretty enjoyable. It's pretty gruesome. Uh, so bear that in mind. It's not at times, maybe the most feel good. There's a scene where you kind of see the aftermath of a dog fight, which, uh, rubbed me the wrong way. Also, mm. there's a bit of like homophobia stuff that didn't age so well. Uh, just little stuff like that that I think uh, could be off-putting. Uh, so bear that in mind. But yeah, I'd say go watch it. This movie is very rough around the edges for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, well, hell yeah. I want to give one more shout you. out to, to just the last, the, I told you about this movie earlier, but it's just the opposite of that movie in that it's very simple. It's very feel good. It's a great family movie. If you want to watch an hour and a half movie that came out in 2013 uh, called Minuscule, Valley of the Lost Ants. And it's a combination of live action and animation about this little ladybug that gets separated from her family and falls in with this troop of uh, black ants and has to try to get these sugar cubes back to their colony before the red ants attack them. And it's awesome. <laughs> I loved it. There's there's like there's waterfalls and there's flies. There's there's no dialogue in this movie, by the way. It's just all funny sound effects that animals make, but they're not even like animals. You can tell it's people. If people are like, what does a fly sound like? It's 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 this weird uh, bubble of security and joy that I found a couple days ago. And I really, really liked it. 
I feel like we all kind of need that right yeah. now. Uh, like I said, it's on Amazon. It's called Minuscule. Uh, it's spelled M-I-N-U-S-C-U-L-E, uh, colon, Valley of the Lost Ants. Watch it. Nice. Okay. Definitely. That's, that's, check that's that one. Out. Yeah. Uh, what do you think we go to a break? All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, our movie or another beer. I haven't decided yet. You let me know when we get back, when we'll be right back. All right. Back. We'll, fi- <laughs> we'll figure it out. And we are back, Johnny Summers. Uh, before the break, you left us with a titillating question of whether we'd be doing a movie or a beer next. What have you decided? I decided I'm thirsty okay. and I want another beer. <laughs> what? You? So, okay. Yeah, me. Yeah. I like beer. I want to keep drinking it. Fair. So we are about to rip into a beer called GFJ by Sun King Brewing out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you're wondering what GFG stands for, it's Grapefruit Jungle, baby. Baby. You're in the jungle. Do you know where you are? <laughs> okay, so where did uh, you found this at Spikes Bottle Shop also? Yeah, this was a recent development. Um, I had grabbed it, and um, uh, the guy, oh, God, help me out. What's his name? Ken. The guy that Our friend Ken? There. Nope. Oh. The other guy. Alex. Alex, thank you. Our friend Alex. Alex Lucero. Sure. Yeah, it was like I grabbed it, and he's like, bro, good choice. I'm oh, like, nice. I know, and I'm like, why? <laughs> did you happen to be like, did he happen to see your other hand where you were holding Lord of the Rings? And he was like, oh, yeah. dude, old choice. And you're like, I don't think that's on me, my man. Right? No, he didn't. <laughs> but uh, I wish you would have. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, but no, I went with this. Uh, and he. I, turns out it's a great choice. Apparently, they used to be like really big uh, trade beer back in the day. So, yeah, uh, I'm stoked on it. You said it had some super high ratings on the interwebs. Yeah, it's got a 93 on Beer Advocate. It's ranked uh, number 91 uh, out of all the American IPAs in... I, th- I suppose that means the world, but stylistically, at least, American IPAs. Nice. So, yeah. Pretty, I'm into pretty, it, man. Pretty good ratings on Beer Advocate. I'll give it that. Uh, you just saw it for fun, picked it out, and we're just going to drink it. Yeah, exactly. Let's that's drink good, it. That's a good thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. have, have you poured it yet? I have poured it. I'm tell just me waiting to drink it. it. Tell me what you got. Well, I keep going to drink, and you say, oh, tell me about it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. That's... Yeah. This, uh, yeah, the lighting in here is not the best. It's like a like a, a ruddy amber gold. Oh, weird. Is is yours pouring like that? I will tell you in one moment. Oh yeah, okay. it super is. That's I'm I'm guessing uh, this is maltier than I was expecting. A little bit, but damn, it's good. Whew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are you getting a ton of grapefruit? I I want to point out that the hops in this are Warrior hops, which I've never heard of. Uh, Simcoe, Amarillo, and Centennial. Yeah, I don't know what a warrior hop is. I don't either, but I am about it. Yeah, me too. It's nice. Uh, I'm not familiar with that hop at all. Obviously, Simcoe Amarillo Centennial. Sure. Centennial, the sea hop. It's very Sierra Nevada adjacent. Um, this beer is really good. It's really big. It's 7.7%, 77 IBU. It's sevens across the board, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What do they say? They say JFG American IPA created. You didn't already say this, did you? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. Uh, JFG or GFJ HIJ Elemental P, <laughs> uh, American IPA crafted with a unique blend of hops to provide the tropical aroma and flavors of grapefruit, passion fruit, tangerine, and apricot. No grapefruits were harmed in the creation of this beer, which That's is good uh, to know. It's kind of suspect, though. Yeah, I was like, where are you getting the grapefruit? You're going to call it be a grapefruit jungle and not... I assume that means they didn't put grapefruits in this. Yeah. Which I guess is fine. We were just kind of poo-pooing on the uh, grapefruit sculpin. Yeah, oh, we I don't know. I like, a, I like a good grapefruit uh, adjunct beer. 
Yeah. I don't know. What do you so you, you do like this one though? I do. I like this beer a lot. I think. Yeah, it's Oh no, I, you, I it was bound to happen. Okay, go ahead. You first. What do you think? Well, I think that it's more flavor-wise, a lot more mellow than I was expecting. It's a lot smoother. I I almost want to I want to believe that it's not 7.7%. It's way too light feeling for that to me. Uh shockingly so. Yeah, this beer is a highly crushable, uh really easy drinking. It reminds me tremendously of Celebration. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, dude. This is like it even the color and the smell, those Centennial hops, man. Yeah. Uh, this beer is a real similar IPA to Celebration for me. What do you think now that you I've planted that seed, smell <laughs> it and drink it and tell me if it reminds you of Celebration? If anything, I think my subconscious planted that seed and you just watered it cuz that I mean that that's what this is. Like it's a Okay, so number one, the Centennial Hop is far and away, I think, one of the most obvious flavors in this beer and in in any beer that it's in. It's just always like, boom! I'm this is this is what I'm this is what I'm about. Um, but I think like it's good. the 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 way it looks is very deceptive because it kind of prepares you for a heavy malty beer. It doesn't look light and uh, maybe bright, but it is kind of. Yeah, I think that's a testament to the freshness of this beer. Uh, this beer is good until June 10th of this year. Yeah, They have an expiration date. They don't have a bottled-on date or a canned-on date, which yep. is interesting. But seeing that it's June, we have uh, still a couple months left. So this beer is in the prime of its life. Uh, something like this would age horribly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If this beer was a month or two past its prime, dude, it would be undrinkable. It'd get into Angel City territory. Yeah. <laughs> Still blowing, my mind's blown about how well that thing did in the bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't get past the first round, but people liked it, you know? Yeah. We got to try to get Gosh it. darn it, people liked it. Yeah. Uh, I want to get it fresh, but yeah, I do too. that's that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, this is good, man. I, I don't love it. Like, I don't think it's world class. Um, there's, there's something about the way it's finishing for me that's kind of leaving me um, a little bit off, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Where do you think you will end up uh, out of ten on this, or do you want to keep you want to keep exploring a little bit more? Um, no, I'd like to 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 get into what I rate it and why. Uh, I'm kind of with you. It doesn't finish the most pleasant. It's got a little thickness, and that's like all the malt kind of comes out on the finish. Yeah, yep, it does. It reminds me of like um, it does remind me of almost like an old celebration. Yeah, and, you know, it's or like a. Um, like a really old Sierra Nevada pale ale. Mm-hmm. You know what Kinda, I mean? Like yeah. this has Ugh. sent, I think uh, us just being Chico boys, centennial hops have been fucked up. Like yeah, they, they've probably. been ruined. We can't look at them honestly because this is, it's good, but it's like a variation of a torpedo or yeah. as a celebration. It's all in that, that wheelhouse when the cele- the centennial hops kind of take over. Uh, it's a good beer. Just as good as any Sierra Nevada. Okay. But to me, those beers are like very traditional styles and they're very like, they're a staple. They're I would the, say they're this the, beer Yeah, is, they're the thing. They're the, they're the thing that made, they're, they're the bar. Yeah, exactly. So this this falls in line with, you know, like you were saying, is it world class by 2020 standards? No, it is not. Yeah. By like 2005? Yeah. That's a fun way to say the year. I like that. Uh, it's that would be a standard at that point. I see now why this beer was highly sought after 
some time ago. Sure. And perhaps now that it is, it's fallen into a more mediocre category. So yeah, the spear for me is is solidly middle of the road. I'm gonna give it just a like a like a six point two. Okay. Yeah, that seems right. I wanted to just follow up a little bit. I was curious, so I looked up celebration on Beer Advocate also. Um, and like Grapefruit Jungle, it has a 93 overall. Um, the difference is where Grapefruit Jungle falls at 91 um, on the ranking scale, Celebration is sitting at 88. So slightly higher, but right in the same vein. I think just reading comments, people have very similar thoughts on both of these beers, which I think is a testament mm-hmm. to uh, your observation, my friend. Well, you know, mm, genius. Okay, mm, genius. <laughs> mm, genius. Uh, so. Sounds like you're eating a genius. Mm, genius. Mm, genius. Mm, mm, delicious. Uh, okay, I'm I'm in the same basic ballpark as you. I think it's it's uh, you know drinkable. Um, I I really wanted to ask you about price, but I'll do that after. I don't want it to affect it. Just a habit. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's good, man. I I think it's like I'll give it a seven. I'm gonna jump into the sevens. I think it's a pretty good seven. Like if I were out of Sierra Nevada and I had this in my fridge, I'd be like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Very excited. Perfectly, ex- perfectly acceptable, right? Yeah. Like, it's good. It'll work. Yeah. It's a pint can, which is something. It's also a cool can. It's got this very, see, I thought it was a guava, but it's not a grapefruit on the can, is it? What is that? I like that we're both uh, you know, looking at this separately, but equally. Yeah. I don't, it looks like a flower with a, um uh what the, the 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 thing the grapefruit like in it yeah it does like almost like a cactusy kind of flower yeah it's a grapefruit cactus flower man yeah. i don't know what's happening <laughs> okay uh i also want to say like they really tout the aromas and flavors of grapefruit passion fruit tangerine and apricot and i'm going to go ahead and say i don't get any apricot i don't get any passion fruit i guess nope maybe some some like musty citrusness cit- citrosity from like maybe grapefruit and tangerine, but even those, I think I wouldn't have picked out necessarily unless I saw them written. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it it doesn't really do a whole lot for me, man. Yeah, but it's fine. Yeah, you know, it's better than yeah. fine for me. Yep. Uh, give me a rating one more time, please. Uh, for me, it was a six two. Six point two. That seems pretty fair. Uh, what do you say we move right along into perhaps a film? Let's do it. Okay, this was your choice, so I'm going to let you take uh, all the introduction stuff if you'd like to. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I stumbled across a movie called Vivarium. It was directed by a guy named Lorcan Finnegan, because change (laughs) it. Uh, Why is that still your name? What a name. Uh, This this premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May of 2019 and was released to the United States on March 30th, 2020. Uh, it's available to rent on Amazon, uh, also several other online sources. Just Google it. You're an adult in America. Like seven bucks. This movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it stars Jesse Eisenberg as Tom and my favorite actress simply because of her adorable name, Imogen Poots. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I got to stop you there. You can't shit on Lorcan Finnegan and then be like, but I love Imogen Poots. Either you can't you gotta tell love me. <laughs> no. Okay. Lorcan are you some sort of mythical man wolf? Yeah. Like a lichen? Yeah. What is that? Lorcan? Lorcan. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, Imogen at least is a name that I've heard other people being called. Okay, fair. Uh, and her last name's Poots. <laughs> come on. Yeah. She, she is adorable by default. Fair. Uh, but anyway, Imogen Poots stars as Jesse Eisenberg's co-star, 
uh, Gemma. Uh, and the movie tells the story of a couple hoping to find the perfect place to live uh, after being convinced by this really weird salesman guy. They're taken uh, on a tour of this like suburb, uh, weird little suburban neighborhood in which like all the houses are like super identical and they go like as far as you can see. Uh, the salesman just disappears. Uh, and then the two of them try to leave like, okay, we're out. Uh, turns out they're trapped in a labyrinth like kind of urban subdivision and each road mysteriously takes them back to their home. That's been assigned to them. Number nine. Yeah. Uh, so really quick again, it's called vivarium. I did a little bit of digging and I maybe should have just pieced this together, but it's kind of the umbrella term for things like aquarium or terrarium. Uh, it's also Latin for a place of life, uh, which is sort of suiting in a kind of sick way. Yeah. Um, so you recommended this. Uh, you th- we, We've been sort of obviously scrambling for uh, movies to cover that are new or at the very least kind of new and current. Um, so this came across our radar. Like you said, it came out on March 30th uh, in America. You can rent it. Like I said, it's like seven bucks. Um, but what do you think of it, man? You, you, it's only like an hour and I'm going to double check that. Actually, I don't have that in front of me. But what do you think of it? You know, I was... Uh, kind of skeptical at first. And then I found myself not being able to look away. This movie was, was visually very interesting to look at because of the uniformity of their environment. Uh, also just the way it was shot. And, uh, there was some really interesting filming involved. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, the acting. I kind of liked the interaction between our two main characters and there's particularly this one, younger character which we'll get to Fair maybe enough. in the danger zone that feels a little spoilery yeah yeah th- that is massively unsettling and i couldn't look away but also wanted to gouge my eyes out with just sheer discomfort <laughs> um you asked me earlier like on a scale of like one to ten how scary was a movie yeah and the scale on this movie was like higher just because of that character like it just the way that it that a character gets under your skin and is just so intensely oh creepy um so it was really interestingly written uh it it was very like science fiction adjacent uh kind of weird like headspace trip like being trapped in this maze it it had a lot of interesting things about it uh, that I really liked. Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty cool movie, man. I really dug it. What did you think? Yeah. So I think, I think you're on the right track here. There's, there's a, I think there's like one to two things that you can say that will spoil a lot of this movie. So I think we, we should not, I'll just follow your lead. We're not going to say too much about it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, I think, and I said this to you earlier, um, it felt to me like it would have been a really good black mirror episode. Like if it were a tight 50 minutes, Um, I think that the sort of message, which is not subtle, this is like two weeks in a row with this movie and the platform where uh, a movie is just like, here's the idea. We're not trying to hide anything. So in this case, it's clearly a commentary on sort of like domestic life, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Number one, though, I have a hard time relating to sort of like complaining about routine and being with somebody. And like, maybe that speaks to me just having a good relationship and liking that. But I'm tired of. Movies that are just like, doesn't it suck to to have this monotony? And it's like, yeah, it can, but it could also be great. Um, and this movie leans into more of the it sucks thing. Um, outside of that, I, I think that a lot of what you're saying is true. There's some kind of interesting cinematography and 
clearly people had ideas and regardless of my thoughts on maybe them not executing those ideas super well, I give them points for going for it. Cause it's, it is a different movie. It's something that I haven't really seen. So that's cool. Um, also I think that the chemistry between Jesse Eisenberg and Emojan Poots, uh, is pretty good. They were also in the art of self-defense, which was a Riley Stearns movie. Uh, did you ever see that by the way? I did not. It's, it's worth checking out. I think both of these actors are good in this weird sort of surreal space that okay. is both in this movie and the art of self-defense. Um, we can talk about that another time. It's a, it's, it's a watch. I'll give it that. Um, yeah, but I think emotion poots in this was very good. I think Jesse Eisenberg is about how he always is in movies, um, which I don't find particularly compelling. Yeah. You're I, not wrong. He doesn't have a lot to do here. Um, and that doesn't help him. Like even when he does have like in the social network, he was fine. I just did. I, I don't know. It is tough. I, I didn't, I apologize to my wife when this movie was over. If that really frames it at all. Yeah. It just lost me. So just to follow up, it's about an hour and uh, 47 minutes long. If I remember right, I just had it in front of me. Um, yeah. Something like that. Hour 37. And it's just, it's, it's, it's too simple of an idea. I think when it boils down to it to really warrant a feature length film. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I don't think you're terribly wrong there. Uh, it did feel a bit stretched. And uh, once you, you, we were talking earlier upon our gear exchange yes. uh, about how this kind of is like a, a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. that just got made into a feature film. And once you said that, I was like, damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is, this would have been like a really cool short film. Yeah, totally. Um, I was, th- dude, literally, I thought that about 30 minutes in, and then I was like picking apart scenes that could have been left out. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. then in hindsight, there was a bunch. So I think, yeah. you know, this is like a short film that was stretched into a feature length film that didn't have to be. Uh, I think the story was interesting enough to keep me interested. Uh, I think it's really funny that you apologized to Jonna after <laughs> watching. It. There were just like, several points where like we looked at each other, like kind of rolled our eyes in unison yeah. and we're like, all right, we'll just, cause, cause there is an element of like, let's wait for the payoff. Clearly, clearly this is all going to ha- make sense or, or make a point. And, and I don't know if it's super spoilery, we can maybe cut it out if you are worried about it, but I, I don't think it really resolves in a way that made the previous hour and a half really worth it. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and agree. Yeah. Okay. So it's fine. Yeah. I think it's like a, it's a totally fine um, watch. Maybe nothing that, is going to make any top 20 lists for me this year. And that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Want to rate it? Hmm. Yeah, this is tough, man. Cause, uh, uh, it's not blowing any socks off. It was, it was interesting and it kept me engaged, yeah. but it wasn't amazing. That's the thing. Like you rate a movie really high if it was amazing, but like I for enjoyed sure. watching it and I was invested for me, it was like a seven two. It was really that's really high. Above. No, I don't think so. All right, this is just higher it than was, I, thought, I thought you were gonna say. Keep going. Sorry. Oh yeah, it, it was above average for me, which is like in the five to six range. Yeah, you know, like it wasn't unwatchable. It wasn't something I'd never watch again. It was intriguing, and I think it had enough uh, to say to keep me involved. I fully believe it should have been a short film and it would have been rated much higher in my opinion if this would have been like a solid 45 
dude, give me this in a 45 minute package. This yeah. is like an eight or a nine all day. It's for sure. It's such a, un- a unique idea and such unique characters. Um, but since it was that drawn out kind of tedious watch, uh, yeah, that's why it gets a little bit lower rating for me. So seven, two max. Okay. Tell me your deepest thoughts. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a four for me. Um, I, I, I think that there are some moments where emotion poots gets to act, which is really lovely. Um, I think that some of the auxiliary characters, despite some of the weird, uh, ways in which we're gonna have a lot to talk about the danger zone, I think, but those I'm trying to dance around stuff, but the, the characters that are not our main two made an impact on me, certainly, which had an effect on my overall, uh, mental state of mind maybe when i was watching it uh in Mm -hmm. a in a creepy way so i I think i give them points also for achieving a certain tone i complain i complain a lot about movies um being totally imbalanced or ambiguous or not knowing what they want to be and i think uh this movie was going for a thing and it achieved that thing my only complaint is that it was way too long and it wasn't a yeah. complex or maybe maybe the idea could have been complex, but it wasn't delivered in a complex way. So why bother? Um, but I, I think there was some good stuff here, but it's it can't be above a four for me. That's fair. That's actually really fair. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. So seven point two for you? Is that what you said? Yep. Cool. Four for me. That's Vivarium. Uh like we said, it's available to rent on all sorts of platforms. Um, found on Amazon Prime for Seven bucks, and I think we should move straight along into Hot and Bothered. What do you think? Let's do it, man. Okay, then uh, right after you. I see that you amended our notes. Why don't you uh, take it away? Uh, Yeah. All right. So, secret time. Nobody's listening, right? Um, <laughs> I have been fighting a daily battle with depression uh, mm. since not working at all um, and struggling with some, like, identity and self-worth and, like, not being able to figure out like what the point of getting out of bed is if I don't have my job to go do and uh, hit kind of a really low point yesterday, Sunday, and ended up not even getting out of bed until like four o'clock. And then that was just to like go lay on the couch and play video games and then just go back to bed and ended up with like some really crippling anxiety and just existential dread and like just really dark place and uh, kind of slept it off and like made a point like today's different today's a new day like you don't have to feel the same and took some proactive steps to be better and do better and like made a list of things i wanted to do and did them drank like half a pot of coffee that usually helps if you're depressed just drink a bunch of coffee and then like you won't have the lack of energy that's like keeping you tied to the couch so right um that's probably the biggest thing that's got me bothered i don't usually come with a bothered but i mean it's it's life. It's real. It's what's happening. It's been really hard for me the last week, few days, and uh, it kind of culminated in really having a dark day. And I think we all kind of have to have those eventually. Um, but the key is not how many you have or anything like that. It's what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do proactively to make it better? And like, it's it, this, this is a weird time in the world, man. And if you're not careful, your thoughts and your mind will just get away from you, dude. Like it's really important to not watch too much news. That's one thing I stopped doing completely today. Haven't checked the news, haven't read anything. 
Um, and like just not consenting to any calls from family that want to talk about what they saw on Fox News. Uh, no, sorry, not not doing that, you know, or CNN, whatever. Not sure. Yeah, Fox whatever News, it is. But, yeah, you know, whatever. But um, just not letting the negative in and uh, just kind of trying to take charge of your environment. But certain things have been helping me, like, um, you know, just being around the animals and feeling like I have stuff to do. Like I took care of all them and did their litter boxes and stuff. I don't normally do just helping out around the house, but, um, trying to find some purpose and like validate myself. And this whole quarantine thing has got us all, I saw a meme and it really hit me hard and it was, uh, some author, I can't remember who it was, but this, this quote was that, um, like we're all now seeing how much we seek and find happiness in things that can be taken away. And that's like super true. Like, and it's, I've been really trying to lean on like hobbies and things that I, I like doing, like reading books and just, I'm playing Scrabble again on the internet with the words with friends. So that's been fun, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's got me bothered, but it's also like a, I think people could probably identify with that a little bit. I think it's important for me to just put it out there in the world. Like, yeah, we're all going through stuff right now and it's okay to be a little off. I mean, the world's a little off right now. I think the world's a lot off right now. I think it's really cool that uh, cool is a maybe a too simple of a word. I think it's very um, brave even for you to to bring it up because it is such a um, and maybe this is just me speaking from a a social media mentality. Most of the time, what you see people saying um, that you're not literally face to face with every day is like, "My life is so good. Like, look at my fun vacation or my food or whatever stupid thing somebody posts." Um, and it's really almost refreshing to hear somebody be like, yeah, okay, that's really cool. But also life can be really shitty. And when it is, maybe don't um, think that it's super unusual. Life's shitty exactly. for a lot of people. Um, so I think it's it's nice for you to bring that up. It's, um, it's yeah, it's a tough thing, man. I was thinking to myself the other day, I, I obviously with my, my day-to-day sort of job, which is playing music, I have more off time than most people. Yeah. Um, and I think hand in hand with that is I, uh, am more equipped to handle sort of days on end with nothing to do, but it's, Mm. it's, it's an interesting sort of juggling act that you have to do with sort of your purpose in life. Um, cause it can feel sort of hopeless. I think you're just like, all right, well what now? Like I'm stuck inside for at least another month. So here we go. Yeah, you know, and it was rainy and I just, there was literally like, I could not, I searched my brain and I couldn't think of a reason good enough to get out of bed. Yeah. And it was really dark and it sucked, but yeah, I think more people need to be like, shake hands with that and realize that those days are going to come. And if you've had one, you know what I'm talking about during this, but if you haven't, you might, I'm sure someone around you or someone, you know, will, I guarantee you that someone, you know, will. So, yeah, the, the other tricky part for me is, um, cause there is such a strong desire for, for myself to like unplug, but the one thing that keeps me coming back is like, well, I want to be sort of informed, you know, like granted cable news is a great thing to cut out, but to have sort of, um, up-to-date information about what's going on. Like I told you today earlier that I learned there have been no reported cases of the coronavirus from, uh, people people, uh, getting it from like touching things, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Like I was, I don't know. There's these little glimmers of hope where it's like, okay, yeah, 
Like, let's keep being vigilant. Like, stay away from other people. Don't go out unless you have to. Clearly, obviously, that's what we're doing now. Um, but like, maybe we're making a little bit of progress, which is, a mm-hmm. very, I think it's a very heartening and hopeful sentiment. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important to just be aware of your, of your mental state and just take off days if you need to, but yeah. also do things that make you happy. Focus yeah, or take on, on days. Yeah. Yeah. Take on days, you know, focus on things that make you happy that nobody and nothing in this world can take away. Yeah. And that's the art that you love, the movies you love, the, the podcast you, you love. love. The podcasts you love, like, you know, you can take everything away in this world without, you know, you know, a few good books and a few good movies. You'll be fine. Yeah, totally. Watch, watch some comfort movies. You know what I mean? Watch one of those dust off the old favorites that make you feel all is right with the world. We should watch minuscule Valley of the Lost Ants. That sounds like it, dude. dude. I was got to watch. It's so good. (laughs) When you were talking about that, I was like, fuck, I could have used that yesterday when I was just completely crushed inside yeah check it out you should check it out man it's a good one to have like i think if i the next time not if the next time i have a day like that i'll be like okay i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a google doc with like albums and movies and books that i that'll just be nice uh, heartwarming experiences and that's gonna be like at the top of them i like it that would be great i could i could use that list sometimes yeah i think we all could man Mm -hmm. all right yeah you gotta give me a hot Oh man. So my hot, I've been burning through, uh, Fargo. We're on season three and that's one of the best shows I've ever binge watched. That is some amazing writing and I absolutely love it. And I can't say enough about it. Um, but my big hot that I've been doing is watching like travel shows and like particularly travel shows about food. Oh. Uh, that really scratches two of my favorite itches. Okay. In particular, there's a show I've been watching on Hulu called Barbecue Est, like barbecue, and the Q is the Q and Quest. Yeah, sure. So it's B B Q U E S T, and it's this uh, lady that travels all over Texas. The whole first season is traveling all over Texas to these un- hole in the wall. Uh, food truck, all these off-the-beaten-path barbecue places that have these just insane menus that maybe you've never heard of. They're not like the big tourist spot, right. but they're they're doing some amazing barbecue. And it's so fun to just watch her go around and try all these different dishes. And, like, you get it inspires you. It makes you want to cook and, like, do something. Like, they had, like, a barbecue bagel, which I'd never even thought of. A and it's, barbecue took, like, the, bagel? Check it out. They take the drippings of like the little gristle and fat and yummy parts of like brisket and they mix it with cream cheese and then smear it on a bagel. Oh, that sounds so disgusting to me, but I'm sure it's (laughs) it's probably so good. (laughs) It sounds so good. Yeah. Okay. But just stuff like that. Like, um, I for sure am going to take a trip to Texas when this is over. Like, uh, there's like four or five places I want to go in Austin and then I want to go check out San Antonio. Like, so just finding things that like remind you, oh yeah, this isn't going to last forever. It won't be long and if you want, you can go to Texas on your week off. You know, stuff like that. So yeah. I've been really enjoying travel shows and cooking shows and stuff like that on on my downtime. Fair enough, man. I I have uh, a single hot that I would well actually I'm going to stretch it to two because we're talking about food and it got me in the zone and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it is chilly Monday. Nothing changes that. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> I today went out and bought a larger, what did you call it earlier? You told me I could borrow yours. 
A stock pot. Yeah, I bought a stock pot. And mine is a 12-quart stock pot, which is uh, pretty big. It's three gallons, uh, if you can do okay. a little math. Um, and I bought it from, I can't think of what the store is called now, but it used to be called Cash and Carry. Do you know what it's called now? Oh, yeah. It's like a food supply or something like that. Right. And I saw a friend of the show and patron, Trevor, there. And Trevor mm-hmm. reached on the top shelf and got the pot down for me, which is great. I was walking in with my little latex gloves and it was just a really nice, because I haven't, again, been outside or not outside, but maybe out of my home in like, you know, a week mm-hmm. or may at least the weekend. I had one thing that I'll talk about in a minute, but um, so it was great to see him. And then I bought that and then I went to Safeway to buy my chili ingredients. And on the way out of Safeway in his car, I saw John Wallum. Which was nice. awesome. He honked at me. I was like, I know that car. Where from? <laughs> what is a car? Where have I seen cars before? And I was like, oh, yeah, society. Oh, John. Hey. And then uh, <laughs> I said him. Um, and I came home, and I've made now a double batch of chili. I've never made it the same way twice, um, but I've added a couple different things. I've used two types of meat, turkey and uh, ground beef this time around. And it's pretty good. I at least think that usually you're here to be like, you need to add like these four different things and then I, it's perfect, but it's pretty okay now. Good. <laughs> um, so which, which kind of dovetails into the one time I did leave my house, which was this past Friday, I played a quarantine concert in a cul-de-sac. There's a friend of mine uh, named Mark Johnson who has backyard concerts. He's been doing them for, I think probably about two years. And he reached out and he was like, Hey man, like, here's the emotions that we're all feeling. Uh, I'm feeling them. Are you? And I was like, of course, yes. Um, would you like to come to our cul-de-sac and play outside of our house on the driveway for all of our neighbors? And I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, so I did. And we basically ran an extension cord from, uh, the back of his house where his, his whatever, where the closest outlet was. And then I plugged in my extension cords. We kept like 20 feet from each other. And I just played music for his neighbors for like two and a half hours and then it turned into this weird dance party out in the middle of their road where there's little pods of people dancing to happy by Pharrell until like hmm. 10 at night. That's really cute. It was lovely. I like that. Just little, little nuggets of normalcy, I think. Yeah. And you have to have that, man. Yeah. It's, it's been really nice. Like getting, getting out of the house, playing music is great. Obviously I do it. And I've, I think I've complained about being too tired of it. Obviously like when you do it eight days in a row, regardless of what it is, uh, you'll get burnt out, but it was nice to sort of reaffirm my enjoyment and what I like about being able to play music for people that enjoy hearing it. Nice. So that was fun. That was my hot. Perfect. I like that. That's a great hot. Thanks, man. Yep. I'm into it. And you know, we need that. We really need that. It's going back to what we were talking about, like mental health. Like if you can, like I've watched a couple, um, a lot of bands and artists are doing like acoustic sets on Instagram live. Yeah. Uh, like the brothers comatose are doing like a concert at four o'clock every Friday on their Instagram mm-hmm. of just like acoustic sets of their songs. And like, it's so cool. Like you're watching a band you love, you know, with hundreds and thousands of other fans around the world that like right. absolutely need this right now. Right. It's, you know, times like these, you realize how cathartic music is and how yeah. like, share, sharing that experience is so universal uh, it reminds me why I started liking music in the first place, just totally. that connectivity that it presents and, and the feeling of belonging and like, you know, feeling like you're a part of something or someone singing something that makes you think like, ah, I, he's saying it better than I can, but I, I feel, I know what he's saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's I great, love man. that. Yeah, it's a great, I love it's that. a great little societal sort of unifying thing. Yeah, it's it's easy to. I was telling you about this earlier. There's there's a podcast that I love to listen to, stuff you should know, and they kind of did a whole like hour. I think it was like an hour fifteen um, on. I hope that, I wonder if that beeping. Sorry, did you hear that beeping, Johnny? You probably can't. I did not. Somebody's nope. beeping me on my phone. I'm just going to ignore it for now. I hope it's not coming through the recording. Um, anyways, it's still beeping, but maybe it's no big deal. The catharsis of just like having art or music or movies or whatever, whatever uh, your preferred method of uh, relaxation is usually is like some kind of art. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just such a great thing. And people, if there is one silver lining, to all of this is like, we appreciate stuff that maybe we forgot to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's really what it is, man. Uh, you can't forget that. And it's nice to be reminded of all that. Like you're just the, the simplest things like, you know, I've taken it for granted so much just being sure. able to go out and see you play, you know, oh, thanks, like man. what the week before that we all locked down. Yeah. Me and yeah. me and Shalina came out to red Traver- tavern. Yeah. You know, and I miss that, dude. Like, yeah. it's the things you take for granted. So you should think about doing an Instagram live set. I'd watch the shit out of yeah, it. Yeah, man. I did one on Facebook, but ever since my Facebook got deleted, I like back in October, I only I have like 150 friends now, so nobody sees it. Like, it gets distributed to like four people. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll do it on Instagram. That's a better way to go. Yeah, that'd be sick. I'd be so down. Um, hey, I'm gonna change the subject real quick. Uh, we mentioned, or I mentioned, having a little bit of stuff to spoil for this movie. Would you feel comfortable at this point going into the danger zone yeah i think it's time man okay then to the danger zone we shall go danger zone danger zone danger zone danger zone okay danger zone uh i want to talk okay i don't know maybe there's new listeners i assume there are actually I assume yeah, there's everybody. hundreds and thousands. <laughs> hundreds and thousands. So the danger zone is when we talk about our movie of the week, in this case, Vivarium, as if we've all just walked out of the theater or in this case, our living rooms, having seen it. So we're going to spoil it. If you have not seen it and you want to pause the podcast, go watch the movie. Come right back. It's a very short movie. Okay. Johnny, why don't you go first? Yo. Anything you want to cover? Maybe maybe lay out some of the uh, the plot in a in a broader sense. Yeah, so essentially our two characters get shown this house and then the guy disappears and they end up being stuck there. They have to live there. They get little boxes of supplies out front like every morning or whatever. And uh, eventually one of the boxes just has a baby in it. And it says on the outside of the box, raise the child to live or escape. To be released. Yeah, to be released. And uh, yeah, so you find out pretty quickly that this isn't, you know, a normal human baby. It's also probably worth noting that they try to burn the house down and then they fall asleep and then the house is no longer burnt down. Oh yeah. Like, like it's a, it's clearly not a literal or maybe there's weird rules, but it's not normal reality. That's yeah, I think exactly. worth it. They, they try to escape. They try to climb over fences and whatever. They always end up back at the house and okay. I think that's probably worth pointing out. Yeah, it's like the you know the never-ending hallway trope of horror movies. Yeah, it's like there's there's no escaping. What's that horror movie where um, I think it's like it's one of those what are those movies called where they find like a v, is it called VCR or VH it's VHS VHS where they like, and they find a hotel but then they try to leave and then they go into an elevator and then they're back in the hotel. 
Yeah, and there's been a couple movies like that. I believe uh, 1401 was like that, where okay. you're just stuck in a hotel. If I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Sure. But yeah, it's that whole just being trapped somewhere, uh, but then like the supernatural almost, like alien type vibe where you're like, yeah. I'm trapped, but this is also defying logic. Like I just sure. walked in a straight line for a mile and I'm back where I started. Yeah, I don't, whatever. I guess part of that is suspending your disbelief, I suppose. Yeah, it has to be. Um, to, to double back to what you said, you said there was a, a character that shows up that really bothered you or, uh, I can't remember the words you used, but safe to say that was the, the kid. Yeah. Yeah. It was this weird little kid. It was mainly his voice. It was gross. It, it was weird. It was so weird. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. It mm-hmm. unsettled me very deeply. Yeah. So like they get presented with this baby in a box and then we get sort of the only, I think the only reference we have for time is like day 93 or something, 97. Um, and the kid is clearly not three months old. He's like seven years old or eight years old. Yeah, yeah that was weird. And he's just like like echoing his parents. And it seems like he's just using Jesse Eisenberg's voice, but like a like a 15-year-old trying to sound like Jesse Eisenberg coming out of the mouth of an eight-year-old. Yeah. It's very, very upsetting. <laughs> creepy vocal effects. I didn't like them at all. No. Um, it's, yeah, man. So that, I agree with you there. Um very strange. It never really, he grows up at one point, Jesse Eisenberg is just digging the whole time. And this is like where the metaphor started becoming too much for me. It's like, all right, this is clearly a movie. that's just like, all right, this is how drab and boring married life is. Don't have kids. Kids suck. And dad's going to smoke too many cigarettes and just basically build a deck for 10 years. It's not building a deck. It's digging (laughs) up, but it's like the same thing. You know, like dad picks up a stupid project, like refinishing the garage or whatever dads do. And mom's Uh stuck to raise the kids and the kid's a piece of shit that just screams all the time. She's like, but I love you. He's like, fuck you, mom. I'm my own. I'm a man. It's like bow. It's the, it's bow except without the happy. You see bow the little short. Uh, Oh no, I haven't yet. Oh, it's, it's on Disney plus my man. I have to check that out. Yeah. That was an Academy Award nominated it's short so film, right? good. Yeah, it's, but it's it's not that. I'm sorry. Bow deserves way more respect than this garbage movie. Uh coming in strong. Sorry about that. Don't know why. <laughs> Getting hot, boy. We each got our own beers this week. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So can we talk about the ending? I mentioned earlier that um I was holding out hope that there would be some like really nice resolution. And I didn't get that. What'd you what do you think about the ending? Oh yeah, then they all just die, and then yeah, the kids now the the real estate agent. Yeah, I couldn't think if, of the word real estate agent when I was writing our notes. I wrote <laughs> I wrote like eccentric salesman. I couldn't think of real estate. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, yeah, it was very lackluster in my opinion. I was not stoked on the ending at all. I was like, oh cool, we waited so long, and that's just it. They were just raising the next one. Yeah, like, I guess. What sort of – like it makes you wonder like all this time they had, if there is backstory to like the motive of this, give me some of that. Right, but give there's Give me there's some not. of like the alien species that's like learning and studying humans while they're raising alien babies or something. And there's not. Like you said, there's just this weird symbols on the TV that the kid reads and yeah. it's all very obscure. I think they could have gone into much greater detail. And I don't think it would have felt handholdy. I think it would have felt uh, enriching to the plot. For sure, dude. Like, I I mean, you said aliens just now. And I'm like, I forgot that was even part of it. I, it was just so much a heavy-handed metaphor to me that it was just like, yeah, like I, they even, ex- like 
old boy later on. I was looking at the letterbox trying to find his name, but there is two characters listed called the boy. And one is the dude that's like 25 and one is the kid. So the Mm -hmm. old boy basically lays it out exposition style to the cameras like, I'm I'm a son and my, your role as my mother is to gr- is to raise me and then die. It's like, yeah, I already got that. You didn't have to spend the extra two minutes on screen telling me that. Like, if you go with that artsy uh, montage where they crawl under the sidewalk and like fall through all these layers, and, like mothers everywhere are experiencing this with their sons. Like, maybe leave it at that. You don't have to be like, yes, you are my mother. You shall now die. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. And like, what's the whole point? Are they raising an alien army? Someone's studying. Like, we don't know. So choose your lane. And it and it wasn't art housey enough to feel okay with that being that left open for interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just ends and like we go back to that office and another couple comes in and like a yeah, like Twilight Zone kind of loop. I don't know. What a bummer. Yeah. It was like a black mirror Twilight Zone knockoff. Yeah, that was way too long. Yeah, it was pretty long. I'm uh, starting to re- starting to regret that seven two. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking that about my rating too, but we made the rating, so whatever. Um, it is what, what it is. What would you have done? You're in their scenario. The guy has just left. In by the way, quoting the same voice you just said about children. No, we haven't had them yet. What do you do? He's gone. You two are there. Say you and Shalina. Yeah, I would have tried to leave too. Uh, I mean, that's the move. Is to try and get the hell out of there. Would you have done anything different? Hmm. I would have killed that thing. The kid? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah. once it started talking back and it was like... Or just <laughs> fucking screaming? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. Something bad would have happened. But then they probably would have, like, just brought a brand new one. I know. And like, start, yeah. start over. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have dug a hole for no reason. That was stupid. That was so stupid. Like, I don't like how quickly their relationship deteriorated. Like, just the moment, poof, the moment he goes, let me drive. It's like, all right, God, I get it. Like, they have a bad relationship, and he's a stereotypically aggressive dude, and she's, like, a, a stereotypically passive woman. Whatever, man. Give me characters with some damn depth. Yeah. Jesus. It was a little... For for a movie that was trying to be so multidimensional, it ended up being fairly simple. Yeah. And yeah, yep, that is what it is, man. It wasn't that great. Nah, frick, frick you, vivarium. Yep, get a vivarium with frogs in it. It'll be more entertaining. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Uh, anything else? I think that's it, man. I think we're there. We've rated it. We've drank some beers. Uh, for our first episode recording separately in quarantine, I think it went well. I think so too. We'll see in the edit if it actually pulls I- together. I think it'll be fine. I think we did good. I think yeah, and, and you know we know our jobs at this point. I think we we pulled it off, and gosh darn it, guys, I think it's going to be okay. All right, everybody, stay safe, wash your hands. Per usual, thanks to Bailey Minardi. This episode wouldn't be what it is without her help. Um, if you want to join us on Patreon, uh, it's Patreon.com/slash/FreshHopCinema. Little little peek behind the curtain. We're not really charging <laughs> for episodes right now, so technically, I guess you could just join for free. I don't know. Hey. Uh, no. I'm just letting people want their entertainment. We have bonus content every week. Uh, maybe most importantly, uh, go vote uh, starting. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, starting tomorrow in the final four of beer madness to decide the best West coast IPA in all the land. It's down to four pretty good beers. Um, per usual, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Bernardi. And we will see you next week. Thank you.
This is Fresh Hop Cinema.